Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 94 with my friend, Corey Holcomb. You know, we weren't friends, and now we are, because Corey reached out to me, and I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but we had one uh, follower in common, and the more I looked into Corey before we got to talking, the more we had in common. Uh, it's actually like kind of crazy, the amount of just random things that we uh, have in common that I think we get into a little bit, but it was, it was such a pleasure to meet somebody, um, on the show. You know, you guys are, are witnessing this as Corey describes it, like a, a first date in real time. So I hope you enjoy this, uh, time with me and Corey as much as I did. So without further ado, here is my friend, Corey. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? So this is this is unique, and this is the first time we're ever talking. <laughs> I, it's kind of like I mean, you can start recording whenever you want to. Oh, like, yeah, I don't really I, care too much. I always start recording before I even get on here. <laughs> it's, it's, I, well, I was thinking about it too, and like it's 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 a blind date, really, in a way. Um, <laughs> I've only ever guested on one other podcast, and that was somebody else who, like, he just, as soon as he I, he got into the Zoom meeting, yeah. he was, like, in, in in podcast mode, I was like, okay, let's just go with this. Yeah, and yeah. so I like to think of it uh, as, a, as a casual conversation, so I just start recording before I ever hit dial on, on the Zoom call. Um, but I, I, so... I love that. I love it. So I, I have to recap, because there's a portion in the beginning where I normally start with how I know people and I don't know you at all. And I think our only similarity is that we both followed, uh, Natalie who was on this podcast, um, on TikTok. Um, yeah, Natalie is just an amazing person. And, um, I try to like jump in her lives when I can and stuff. I'm always like, Hey friend, miss you. Hope you're good and everything. Yeah. Here's, here's the funny thing. Here's, here's what I found to be, hilarious uh just things we have in common that i have found just just via instagram so as you mentioned we both have podcasts uh and and i was listening yes. to your podcast with, with people talking about different grief and uh that's fantastic what you're doing there which you just mentioned your co-host for that you've never met and you guys met on tiktok uh i don't know yeah. how familiar you are with this podcast but my former um professional therapist that was on every month uh is someone that i met on tiktok who now we're great friends and um yeah she's down we've never met in person she lives down in uh, kansas um but other random things we have in common that i thought were just hilarious first of all you're in michigan so yeah <laughs> hello um you were at armchair expert when they were at the fox theater <laughs> I, I went there literally from the airport. We landed and drove there. Uh, I tried to like get, I, I don't, I felt so bad because I bought tickets in the front row and I had to walk all the way down there like two, three minutes after they'd started on stage. I was like, shit, uh, felt like such a dick. Um, and then just like some similar interests, the Enneagram, you, I've seen you post some stuff. Armchair expert, of course. I think like every podcaster wants podcaster wants to be a version <laughs> of armchair expert. Like that's, I mean, I'm not as eloquent as Dak Shepard, and like he can he can actually make it a conversation. Yeah, but I try to carry the conversational aspect, less interviewee, to my oh, podcast yeah. as well. But that show was so good. Like I, uh, my son's birthday was that day. Actually, he was turning two, and we were going to go to. Uh, Chicago for a trip and I was like what if we go to Detroit because we can go to the zoo and we can stay in Canada and do the stuff there and then I can go see armchair at night so my wife stayed at the Airbnb with him and I like drove like nice. back and forth across the state border to go see that show and I was that was that was that was a really special night for me like that was just so yeah and I'll tell you, so good. I won't reveal it on the show because I know they cut it out for a reason, but that means you got to hear the Dane Cook story, which is so funny. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That was, oh. uh, I I went back <laughs> when the podcast dropped. I was like, please tell me left it in. Yeah. And like Monica, no, Monica cut it out. Monica was yeah, smart. No, but, well, man. he talks so much shit. It was really funny. Um, but <laughs> so 
you're from other than other than you have some podcasts we have similar interests and you're also in michigan uh that's i think where my knowledge of you yeah. ends so let's let's jump back in time and find out who Corey is were you were you born and raised in michigan yeah, so actually, um, I was I was born in Flint, believe okay. it or not. Um, and so, obviously, everyone who probably people who know listen know Flint is is a wonderful place. <laughs> um, uh, I think for like years, it was Flint, Detroit, and St. Louis were always like in contention for the most dangerous city in the U.S. at yeah. any given point. Um, so I, I grew up there. Actually, my mom, um, my mom, and my biological father uh, never married, but I was born there. I lived there until I was three. My mom met my stepdad, and he moved us over to Big Rapids, if you know where Big Rapids yeah. is. So Ferris she's State University. And then I lived there, uh, went to school there, and then um, I've basically been West Michigan, so between Big Rapids, St. Joe, and now Grand Rapids. Okay. I've been a West, Michi- West Michigan kid, and I, I, but I've lived here my whole life, so yeah. Nice. Um, do yeah. You, you said your biological dad wasn't in the wasn't in the picture or, or what was that? What did that look like? Yeah. So yeah, now, now we're going to get into the therapeutic part of uh, <laughs> the podcast. So um, my, my parents uh, never married, like I said, and my dad was actually uh, both of them were kind of toxic, I guess, in their own way. Mom, mom kind of grew up though when she became a mom. Uh, but my dad was really bad into to addiction and drugs and he anger issues and um, some mental health stuff and very abusive, abusive toward my mom. But she also grew up in an environment where she was um, physically, mentally, sexually abused um, in her life. And so she ran away at 17 and then, like, started dating, like, drug dealers and all this crazy stuff. And then met my dad at some point. And they were, you know, they were just two very fiery personalities who went hot and heavy, had me, and then they went their separate ways. Okay. So my biological father... Um, uh, we don't actually have a relationship now that kind of ended uh, a few years back when my son was born. Um, not because of my son, but around the same time. And so my dad, he he was in the picture, you know, it was kind of like what you said, you know, it was a couple times a year we'd see him or he'd drive Big Rapids and haul me to, to Flint, you know, for a week or so. And I'd stay at my grandparents' house and we would um, see each other. But as I got older, it became more strained and I was more aware of kind of who he was and then after a while i just made the choice said okay i don't i don't want this in my life and the boundary i need is him not to be in it at all yeah that's and now lucky well i was just gonna say that it's it's ironic the uh i talked to so many people where you know there's some form of estranged father and then they usually they like try to enter back into the life when when the child is born so it's funny that it's just ironic that you guys that's about the time you guys stopped having contact with each other yeah, it was, well, to to kind of, on one hand of it, I, I was fortunate because I had a stepdad who, by all accounts, is my father. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, my son calls him Papa, like that's, you know, his grandfather. So uh, he, and he never treated me like, you know, there's a cliche, like animosity, like stepchild, stepparent. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was never that. I mean, they, even when I would say, like, you got to worry about me. I'm not your kid. He's like, bullshit. He's like, you're my kid. He's like, stop saying that. Yeah. And so um, I, I learned what it is to to be a father on one hand of having a great stepdad. And then I learned what not to be as a father by having a bad bio dad. Yeah. And with my bio dad, uh, it actually, uh, it just became to a point, like, uh, I think the, the really the big turning point in our relationship was I was in college and... Uh, I called him on the phone and he hadn't called me in a while. Cause he's kind of a mopey person. Like he's like kind of makes everyone else chase after him. And I was like, Hey dad, I haven't heard from you in a while. And, and the thing that he said that really like set it off was he gave off all these excuses why he hadn't called. He's like, well, you know, I work a lot and I have to get home and eat some food. And then he said, and I have to let the dogs out. And for me, I was like, I was like motherfucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I cursed him out and I said like, I'm done with you. You know, I said like, and uh, hung up the phone, didn't talk to him for years. And then when I got engaged to my wife, um, I wanted my grandparents who I'm so close to his parents to meet her and he was there. And so we kind of rekindled, but it was always, he would come in and then be there for a little bit and then leave. Yeah. And then, yeah. and they got to the point where I was just like, it just, I don't need it. I just, my life, my life and my mental health and my sanity is just much better without it. Yeah, so. for sure. Did you, uh, ever have did you end up with any like half siblings your mom and your stepdad have any more kids 
Yeah, so uh, I had a stepbrother from my stepdad uh, who's much older than us. I think he's in his late 40s, early 50s. And my my stepdad is actually 77. There was a 19-year difference between my mom and him. Okay. Which is kind of gets kind of creepy like if you think about it on the early <laughs> the early spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But she was like 28, he was like 40 something, 48, 47 whatever. Yeah. And so um but I have a, I have two younger siblings. Uh both are half, but um I think they're f- five and six years apart. Okay. So but um I grew up with them, so How much younger than you are they? Uh, my sister is, I want to say six years. My brother's five. I want to say. Okay. What was that? So, yeah, do you so remember, a, uh, do you remember them being born? Traumatically? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it's funny you bring this up. My, my sister and I were just talking about this yesterday because my, my stepdad was telling uh, her stories about my brother being born and, um, my brother was born. I was in kindergarten. I believe it was. And I remember distinctly the memory of walking into the delivery room as my brother is making his way out, but he came out head, uh, feet first. Oh, so not to get too graphic, but walking into the delivery room, seeing, um, you know, uh, two big legs and two little, you know, blue purple legs. Um, and I don't remember much else except for the legs. That's enough. Like, I think that's enough to remember <laughs> in hindsight. Are, are you a parent by chance? I'm not. No. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I, I'm a dad, you know, and my yeah. wife, when she was at birth, I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Like, I remember that experience, but I know, like, I'm not going to look beyond, I'm going to help them, I'm going to focus on her. Yeah. I'm not looking at what's happening down there because that will traumatize me. Yeah. It'll probably unlock some core <laughs> memory that I'm not going to want to revisit ever again. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But, like, was what was that like having, because uh, I imagine. Well, you said you had an older stepbrother. Was he living with you guys at the time still? No, but he was, he was, he was already old enough and he lived with his mom mostly, okay. but, um, and he, he was a part of the family, but he just was never like living with us as integrated as, as we all were. So. Yeah. What, what was that like bringing more kids into the, the household as being the only child and then having to share that attention? And what does that look like? You know, it was, um, I think about an hour and, I think it was pretty good. I, I wanted a little brother for so long and, okay. um, you know, I got to finally have one that was really special. And I think when you're an only kid for so long, you really want to have, you know, someone to play with and whatnot. And, uh, I think it also kind of forces you to grow up a little faster, uh, because you realize there are other people in the room. There's other kids that you have to either, you know, uh, kind of be careful, be safer around or help out with and, Granted, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she never put that on me by any means. But um, she, uh, it was, it was a fun experience. Uh, definitely fire nice. And there's, we always joke around about how at any one point there was two of us against one of them. You know, so it might have been my brother and I versus my sister, or them versus me. Yeah. And so it was always this constant. Um, and uh, uh, not to get too heavy, but my mom w- did have a lot of her trauma from when she was younger that yeah. she never resolved. And so as a parent, that kind of came out in her parenting style. And we used to joke that my sister and I, like, we could figure out ways to blame my brother and he would get disciplined for what we were doing. <laughs> and it's a joke now, like, I mean, but it's still like sad yeah. because like he would, he would, and he was also like the, the closest child to her. Like he was a bit more quieter yeah. and, a bit more of a mama's boy than I was, even though I was still a mama's boy. But um, yeah, I used to try to get my brother in trouble uh, as much as possible. Like if I found out he was doing something bad, it brought me so much joy to know that I was going to be able to get him in trouble later. It was, <laughs> that was the, uh, the toxicity of, of being a, a child in competition of some sorts with <laughs> my brother. What's, what's, what's the age gap there between you two? Uh, three and a half years. Yeah. So, I mean, you're probably right because for me it was five years. So yeah. no matter what I did, it was always, you know, better. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, I do know better. Well, he's so older. Give... So he's supposed to know better. And he was the one. Fucking <laughs> there you go. So I mean, but yeah, so the younger siblings, you guys get the benefit of like having, because with parents, you know, it's always the first is was held to a certain standard. Yeah, yeah. The second one gets a little more free reign than the baby is like, whatever, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's kind of like this gradual, you know, step. So looking back, um, cause you mentioned your mom had her own trauma as, as a child and I don't want you to like, you know, assume her own story, but, oh, uh, no. you know, just based on what you told me, it sounds like she kind of sought out some of that same trauma in your bio dad. And then, 
Um, how did that, how did that show up and affect your childhood growing up? Well, yeah. So this is a therapist couch, couch session of the pod. So this is just a one. This is like, you know, free therapy today for me. So yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go pay my guy on Thursday now. No, I'm joking. Um, oh yeah. Mine's uh, Thursday but, too. Good. <laughs> we're just, we're two Perfect. peas in a pod. I love it. Um, yeah. So it was really interesting because my mom, so she she found Jesus at like, when I was three. So then she did like a total one eighty and became like a really hyper focused Christian, okay. which is fine. Like I like I don't I don't blame her for that. You know, like my faith is an extension of that, even though it's a little different now. Uh, she had religion now as you know as as this, this focus point, and but she never really resolved her trauma. She thought she could pray it away if she read her Bible more. You know, that'd be okay. Now, being I'm lucky to be the generation I am now because I'm more aware of mental health and everything. But um, yeah, her her parenting style, I loved her, and um, she has passed away. And we'll talk about that probably at some point too. But yeah. um, she she was a fun mom, but when she was triggered or she got angry, it was always about disciplining us based on how it affected her as a person, not as how it was how it was going to help us as kids. Yeah. So, you know, she was very physical, you know, a uh, lot of swear words. Uh, all my siblings and I, we, I'm sure we will all still carry a lot of anxiety with that for the rest of our lives. And we're all like, two of us are, you know, are kind of regularly going to therapy, which helps. Um, but yeah, it definitely affected me in a lot of ways. And then now it's even affecting me now as a parent myself, because yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the way I respond to my son, who is, me 2.0 he's like the upgraded version with more sarcasm um and more more feistiness um i have to actually work very hard to like not react the way she does so if her reaction was to backhand me or to hit me or to push me up against the wall my son's four and a half like i i think about how traumatic that was for me and so i actively and some days i like i've never really like hit my kid hard i spanked him once and i felt terrible about it but um, I'm very intentional about knowing my trigger points and walking away and saying, okay, like tell my wife, like you got this, I got to walk away because I'm getting, I'm getting escalated. And yeah. I think even, I'm, I used to feel bad. Like I was being like a distant dad for doing that. But I think that's like learning restraint and learning how yeah. to give my kid the room and let him sleep, you know, tell me why you're, you're mad. Like, yeah, you can scream in my face. It's fine. Yeah. But I don't want you hitting me. I don't want you punching your mom or throwing stuff. I said, you know, go punch a pillow, you know, or go in your room for a cool down. So um, that's really the biggest point in which I realized, like, how bad that was. Yeah. And so it's – and I'm still working through, you know, there's still a lot. And because my mom has been uh, passed for so long, she died when I was 17, okay. um, it's, it's hard because I don't get to confront her or to tell her, this is how you messed me up. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I have to, I have to live with with what she did, and heal through it. But I can never say like you probably should have done this for yourself too. Yeah, so. and I'll tell you what, this is a, it's a difficult thing. So, like you know, I have my own shit with my mom, and she's alive. And the problem mm-hmm. there is like, you can't. Uh, the thing I'm learning, <laughs> I don't say this as someone that's accomplished this. I just know that this is what I need to eventually get to is, uh, forgiving someone without getting an apology. Cause like I've accepted, I'm never getting the apology that I'm seeking. So then it just comes up to me to like, I need to just let it go and forgive her. Uh, and, and it's, it's great that you're doing like therapy and stuff. Cause I think what I also am learning, like, you know, through school and therapy and everything else is, are, as a parent, you have to be the best version of yourself, like aside yes. from your kids, because you're going to be a better parent if you're like taking care of your own shit. And I think yeah. that's personally, that's where I think my mom, like if she could have taken care of herself more, it would have reflected better on our own childhood. But yeah, that's a. I, to- I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it is a forgiveness thing. I, I think it's like. If I could, if I could have her back in my life right now, if she appeared out of thin air, I would hug her. I would cry. I would tell her all the things she missed and I would go introduce her to my son upstairs. Yeah. And I would not be thinking about the hard stuff, you know, but 
I, I think it's it's when you realize like how messed up you are and how many things you deal with and even you know communicating with your spouse how do you handle conflict you know yeah. um it's it's you're like man i wish i would have had a better version of that and you kind of have to grieve grieve the potential of who you might have been oh yeah or you know yeah and i, I think that's the bigger part of it is reconciling that this is who i am even though i didn't get what i what i should have had yeah you know this this made me who i am and i got to be grateful that i'm evolving and i'm learning that that healing process yeah that's a that's a powerful thing to to realize like it, it that's a and i'm not going to trail off too much here but <laughs> i've talked about it on here before where the thing that really was a transitioning point with uh the relationship i have with my brother who like i will openly just say how much i fucking hated my brother for most of my life and then a couple of years ago, God, how time is weird during the pandemic. <laughs> I I did a, I did an EMDR session and and really dove into my relationship with my brother and realized like oh I never grieved the like brother he was when I was a kid when he was like protective and caring and like before he became an asshole yeah. and when I did that and separated those two people and like was like oh I lost like in a way I lost a brother at some point. Um, once yeah. I did that, like our relationships not fucking storybook but like it's it's civil and we talk and like we actually might be starting a podcast together soon so uh that's like leaps and bounds from before when i was just like adamantly and actively hating him a lot uh but enough about me no i'm so i just want i want to shift a little because i'm curious you know given this lens on you on your family and what's going on at home what are you doing outside of your house, like social school? Like what does your childhood and teenage years look like? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I was like school right now. You're like trying to like, Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I mean, I was never really an athletic kid. Um, I tried to be a sports kid. I loved baseball and I was terrible at it. Um <laughs> My solace was always more in creating an art and whatnot. Um, and I was a group of really shy child. And I think that was probably part in part because of my trauma. Yeah. I didn't really come out of my show until seventh or eighth grade when I could be more social, be more comfortable. And, um, but I really fell in love with band music. Um, okay. and what was your uh, instrument? I, um, I'm a drummer actually. Okay. So I started playing drums and band and that was fun and it was good. And I felt, you know, creatively, outputted and i like to do you know occasional skits at church and stuff like that um i started playing in the church band and that's kind of what i've been doing for most of my life now and i don't ever really play with any professional bands or anything but um so music's always been my thing uh then movies uh that's actually something was it's funny my, my biological father and i when i would visit him we would always go to movies together so that i think in a way instilled a love of film in me yeah, so yeah. I love movies. Um, growing up, though, my mom, my mom actually got sick first when I was uh, 14. Um, she had Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, geez. Which is, yeah, so that was that was pretty uh, pretty rocky. Her dad actually died of it in the ni- early early 90s. <clears throat> and oh, wow. um, so she so she had it, and the 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 family the family genetic ALS we have we all a lot of us I'm sure I carry it to some extent. Um, is that something yeah. that they give you on like a 23andMe, like whether or not you have that on there? I I haven't seen it yet on there, but I definitely have 23andMe. I should go back and look and see. Yeah, if that's crazy. It. That's that's. I, I mean, not to like interrupt you, but because I told you I would. Um, but no, that's that. I mean, does that like regularly just weigh on you in the back of your head? It does. It um, you know, I got my first COVID vax, my, my first COVID dose, and the nurse hit or the, the the pharmacy tech hit a nerve, and my arms started twitching, and I was like, oh shit, like is this the start of something? And the doctor's like, you're fine, like don't worry, like and we did all the like he's like you're good. I'm like okay, yeah. so and it was fine, but there's little things like that, you know, if I have. You know, if I'm over caffeinated, my muscle, my, my my leg muscle starts twitching. I'm like, oh god, like what is happening? Yeah. Um, it's always in the, the front of my, my mind. Um, I never want to get tested for it. I don't want to live knowing that it will happen. Yeah. I know it can happen, and I try to live my life in a way that is is aware of it, but also is not defined by it. Yeah. Which is important. It's it's a it's a hard balance sometimes, um, but I think I do pretty well as much as I can. And, uh, but she got sick when I was, uh, 14 and she 
would have died within the year if she hadn't been so stubborn. Um, but she actually ended up getting like a trach in her uh, her uh, throat and was living in our, our our living room on a ventilator for the last like two years of her life. So she actually died at home. But by that point, she'd gotten so bad, like she was skin and bones, and yeah. she wasn't even conscious last week she was alive. Um, I and before I just want to preface this question no, with good. with uh, like if I venture into anything you don't want to talk about, feel free to shut me down. Um, oh, you're good. You're good. Like, have you been able to reflect on like you talk about your mom? She's this she's this authority in your life as a as a child, and. and uh, you know, a physical, like sometimes abusive authority. And then to see her helpless, right. The last couple of years, like, have you been able to reflect on, on that transition and what that maybe has done to your image of her in that, in that last little bit or like, what is that? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. It's that, really interesting. It, the power go yeah. away. It's interesting because that was also the time where, um, and I, and I should say, like, she she was abusive, you know, but uh, there were lots of good moments with her. You know, yeah. she she was she was my youth group pastor for a while. And, um, you know, uh, I was her firstborn, so we naturally had a, a really close relationship. And I, I don't want to say that it was all, you know, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you sh- but instinctively, when I think about her, usually it's the, it's the hard stuff that hits first. But, yeah, uh, thinking about growing up, and that's – when we kind of hit the early high school, that's where you start to define yourself as a person individualistically. And you start to push your boundaries. You start to, you know, you're kind of on that that first step towards who am I going to be the rest of my life? So I was also coming to a point where I was old enough where she couldn't, you know, couldn't spank me anymore or anything like yeah. that, you know? So she, she could yell at me. Um, but it was also, so it was, it was a, it was more like the transitional period to where you realize your parent doesn't have the power that they try to inflict on you. Yeah. But it was also like, she's also, you know, I'm going up and she's, you know, coming down. So, um, it was, you know, there was, there was a lot of love and a lot of attention. I mean, um, she had a ventilator. She couldn't get out of it. She was skin and bone. She could only move her eyes really. And so, yeah, and so we had a computer for her that she could, like, type and stuff and talk to us. One of those rudimentary, like, Stephen Hawking level kind of things. Um, But, I mean, also, at the same time, I was was staying up. I would go to the hospital. If she was at the hospital, I'd stay stay at the hospital and sleep in her room, you know, and stay up with her all night. Or if she was – we couldn't get someone to caretake her for – caretake for her over the night. I'd stay up and miss school the next day to, like – make sure her head didn't fall forward and she couldn't, you know, her collapse her ventilator or making sure that, you know, that I was suctioning out her phlegm or giving her food, your feeding tube. So uh, a lot of these things that, you know, I, I was forced to grow up a lot faster. Yeah. I think where's your, I wanted to. Where's your stepdad during all this? My stepdad was working all the time to help okay. support us. And my, my, he was there. He was, um, he's a very type A person. And I know that, you know, for him, he had no control over something when he loves, he, he, he needs to be in control of everything yeah, yeah. in a good way. Like he's very just, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the room she lived in until she passed away was actually our garage. He spent a bunch of money to work and remodel the room to be fitted with like medical equipment and everything. So he, he was working hard and he was still there. I yeah. mean, he, but he worked until, you know, he'd leave at seven in the morning and get back at like five thirty at night. Yeah. <clears throat> So he was he was attentive and he was helpful as much as we, he could be as a parent. You know, we, we definitely had, you know, a family come and help watch us or take us to school or practice, whatever we had to do. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I never felt like he was distant and I always knew that yeah. he loved my mom. Like every day, like he would come home from work, he would change, he would eat food and then he would like sit in a chair next to her and just hold her hand like the entire night till bedtime and give her a kiss on the forehead and go to bed you know so 14 to 17 pretty pretty important developmental years like what uh what are the ripple effects that are happening outside of that because of this uh because you know your responsibilities are a little different than than other you know 16 17 year olds and as far as school and and your music and friends like what does that look like uh on the flip side so for me i 
I really leaned heavily into going to church and being part of church. And um, that was because my, my faith was by extension, her faith. And then as I got older and kind of, you know, I didn't have to go to church cause she wasn't there, but I, I started to kind of define my faith and what I believe in on my own terms. And um, in, in terms of what I believe God is and what I believe he, you know, the way she responded to things versus how I do. That was really important. Um, she wouldn't let me date when I was younger. So, uh, Definitely had a few girlfriends in there. That was like, yeah, I'm going to stick it to you that way, but I have girlfriends now that I can, she can't kick my ass for this one. So I'm going to you know, date these girls. Um, but still like a really big naivety towards girls and having relationships. Never had a relationship that lasted beyond like three months in, in high school. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to wait till I was 18 to get my driver's license. And my dad's like, I need you to start taking drivers at it like 16 or 17 to, because you got to drive yourself around. I you know, it's, it's yeah. just getting harder. I'm like, sure. So there's that. Uh, I had a core group of friends from church uh, that also were in school and stuff and whatnot. So I think that really helped solidify me as well. My my best friend um, in high school, his name is Micah, and he was a homeschool kid. And uh, we bonded a lot. And then he came to my school and we were like best friends all through high school. Nice. And that was really great. So, yeah. So I, I was able to still exist and enjoy things. My dad was very... Uh, he, 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 and I say my dad, my stepdad, of course, yeah, yeah. but he recognized that I still need to have things. So he wouldn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal if I went out to a movie or went out with friends. Like it was never, and he didn't, he was also a, kind of a wild child in his day. And like I said, he's 77 this year. And he, when my mom, even after she passed, there's only two rules in the house where no, no parties and no sex in his bed. And that was, everything else was like, do what you want and not that he didn't care but he was like like you know go do your thing you know go enjoy yeah, life yeah. so i mean uh i still got to have a good experience i just had one that was marred with um you know meeting my mom was a little more complicated it was like you know can you come over to the house and meet her you know or um mom i have to help mom you know like we have to help mom and the nurses change her bedpan you know or i have to feed mom i can't hang out tonight i have to watch mom and stuff like yeah. that so it definitely you know, for some accommodations, but it wasn't a complete end of innocence. So. so it sounds like, uh, your mom, like eventually passing was kind of a long time coming. Was there a sense of, of relief there in a way like that kind of combined with grief? And I don't mean to say that in any disrespectful way, but, um, not at all. Um, yeah. So she was her last, her last month, we actually thought she would die before Christmas. And we were like, okay, this is probably going to happen. We said, Corey, like my dad's like, Corey, don't, you know, I don't want you to go see your family in Flint. I want you to stay here if you can, because mom's probably not going to make it through Christmas. Yeah. I said, sure, no problem. Mom actually passed away on uh, December 31st, 2004, so New Year's Eve. So kind of like this weird, yeah. you know, metaphorical, you know, new year, new life sort of thing. Um, and yeah, her passing was a bit of a relief because it was hard for her to see, to see her like that for so long. And she had been, up, she had been in our lives, but she was this little distant fragment of our lives for so long because yeah. our lives were still going on. She was stuck in that room, you know, fighting for her life every day. And uh, so it was, it was a bit more comforting. We were, of course we were all sad and yeah. uh, we all kind of took different approaches to it. You know, my, I don't know. I don't even know if they were all healthy, but my sister was like, don't talk about it when she was younger. It's like, don't talk about it. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. You know, I'll get cross. I'll get sad. My brother, you know, he would, he cried a lot, you know, he would go, you know, and uh, he would sleep in my dad's bed sometimes too, just because he, you know, he missed mom so much stuff like that. Yeah. And me, I, I pushed myself into everything else in my life. I was getting ready for college. And so I was, I was hyper-focused and during her funeral, it was interesting because I was so concerned about being the rock for everyone else in my life. I was, my friends who were mourning her, I was hugging them. I was hugging family. I was like, how are you guys? Are you okay? You know? And um, I realized in hindsight, that wasn't, that wasn't really gr a, a grieving process. It yeah. was me just kind of not necessarily being avoidant or being aware of being avoidant, but well, yeah. You put I mean, your energy into, into everyone else. I mean, you've been, you've been a caretaker for at that point for a few years. So I imagine that, it was more and my, my Enneagram is my Enneagram is number two, so I'm a helper, you know. So yeah, it's there like, you go. <laughs> uh, and then uh, about a year after that, when 
she uh, she'd been gone for almost a year, and I was a freshman in college, and I was playing at the church for a funeral for someone who passed away, and I looked over at the casket, and the person was old and cancerous and tumors all over the body, and I was just triggered, and I was like, oh, shoot. So I got done with that service, and I called my professor. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be in class today. I just played a funeral. I need, you know, some time. And then I went to her grave, and I cried for, like, two hours. Yeah. And I just, like, let it all out, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is this was – this was locked up in there for a while, you yeah, know, and, holding on to it. And it's funny now being being on a, a podcast that talks about grief so <laughs> so intensely. Um, you know, the grief comes and goes. You know, there are days where I miss her like crazy, and there are days where where I'm totally fine. Um, yeah. Today, this this year, uh, this New Year's Eve was officially half my life without her. Wow, which is a really which is a really scary thing to think about because. For so long, it was always like I. There's someone on TikTok that you know I have to remember you longer than I've known you now. Yeah, and that's 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 a really you know hard thing to process. But you know, and I I accept it if if I feel the need to cry, I will cry about it. I'll, I'm still like I have to like push myself to cry a little bit sometimes still. But <laughs> I, I can relate I'm not, to that. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not opposed to crying or showing my emotions. Yeah, um, especially being a father now, like letting my son know hey like you know you can cry it's okay i'm not gonna say suck it up be tough you know like yeah, that's yeah. i'm not gonna be toxic about it but um yeah it it was really hard and it affected so much of my life you know and of course that's true with any death of that significance um yeah. but yeah it affected my relationship my abilities to to be you know and i didn't even start going to therapy until a couple of years ago yeah. i've this is my third therapist right now i've been seeing him for almost a year and he's like the one I truly connect with now. So nice. shout out to Joe. <laughs> nice work, Joe. Everybody knows that February is the month of love and well-being brewing wants to remind you guys that sober is sexy. Isn't it great when you aren't drunk and you can still have sex? Uh, you guys check out well-being's expansive line of non-alcoholic beers and CBD waters. And if you use code friend request, you can save 10% off your order. They're an awesome little company out of St. Louis and they will deliver just about anywhere in the U S so check them out. Wellbeingbrewing.com. Use the code friend request and save 10% on your order. Okay. Back to the show. Well, so what, uh, <laughs> let's, I mean, let's transition then. Um, where where do you go to college? I went to Ferris. Okay. Oh yeah, thank you. So and actually, <laughs> yeah. So this this is so I, I kind of touched on my love of music, and so when I went to uh, going into college, I originally wanted to be a filmmaker, and I wanted to be like the next George Lucas because I love Star Wars, mm -hmm. and I wanted to like write you know these great movies, and then I I started playing music, and I was like, okay, I want to do music now. And Ferris had a music business program and I could like, you know, my, my dad was like, I need you to be in business too, because we're not going to give you a useless, useless degree or whatever. And I was like, okay, dad, that's fine. And I got to stay home anyways, because I didn't know how long mom was going to be around and I applied before she passed. And I went into college thinking, okay, I want to work for like a record label. I want to be, you know, like this cool A&R guy who goes to clubs, sits in the back and finds the next big band, you know, that'll be great. And then uh, like the record label model kind of started changing at that yeah, point. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, well, I want to, I want to open up my own venue. I love going to live shows. Let's open up a club where I could do shows every night. This will be sick. And then, um i saw my first opera <laughs> and so i was like oh my god like this is what i need to do for the rest of my life oh like, man non non-profit non arts like freaking opera out of nowhere um that is a transition so my, <laughs> the rest of my life was like how can i get myself into non-profit arts and so i was intentional about working in internship with non-profit arts places I actually, my goal was to move to Seattle and I was offered an internship in Seattle, like for a full season with their opera company. And I actually couldn't afford to live out there. So I had to decline it like really last minute. That was really heartbreaking. Um, but I spent my time working with different arts organizations in town and learning like opera, not opera and Broadway organizations. And then um, I ended up doing what I do now, which is I work in marketing for a symphony for an orchestra. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So uh, music has always been part of my life and now yeah. I get to like do it as a living. And people always ask like, what do you, I say, I work for an orchestra. Oh, what do you play? Nope. Don't play. <laughs> nope. Just, just, just uh, admin side of things. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I went to Ferris and I know you had, you just asked me where I went to college and I gave well, you. Well, you, the next you answered years. a lot of my other questions, but I, I am curious. So you went to Ferris. So you, <laughs> did you stay living at home? Um, during college so much cheaper yeah well yeah no one wants sure. no one wants to live in a <laughs> dorm life seems appealing in some levels but it's like uh like small you might get to live with someone you don't you can't stand you know you have to eat on campus and you're kind of confined like to this little space and everything and so when but, yeah, you... i know it was sorry go ahead sorry no, I, I was like, yeah, no, it's, I just, it's just great you. living at home <laughs> it was it's okay it happens it's great living at home though i love it yeah what when do you finally move out of that house? Um, so I, uh, what happened? I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. Uh, I moved out of that house because even when I was going to college, I still like would take like semesters off yeah. and not. So it took me longer than like seven years to get my degree. You know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. Hey, I, yeah, they're called doctors. Uh, yeah, I, my my vibe wife check, vibe check you passed. Yeah, my <laughs> wife loves that. That's she's like that's the best line in that movie. Um, which yeah, I know I'm I'm walking for my bachelor's in April, and then I start my master's program in the fall, and I have three associate's degrees already. So yeah, no, I've been going to college for I think over a fucking decade. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but yeah. So I actually I lived there um, until. Until I met my wife, actually. Um, so I, I still worked, you know, I was working, you know, at like Menards and Meyer and stuff like that in college. And I met her. And then when we got engaged, I moved down to St. Joseph, the Stevensville area, to be closer to her because she had, she was a teacher. She already had a job. And I was like, well, I can work at Menards as a manager trainee. And yeah. for those people who don't know, Menards is a hardware store. It's a big one. It's like save more money at Menards. <laughs> that jingle is that jingle is triggering. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went there and I got a job as like a manager trainee and worked in South Haven for a while. And then yeah. we, so I was down there and then we got married. And then uh, for like a year, we were down there until I got this job. And then we moved to, to Grand Rapids. How old were you when you moved to St. Joe's? I was like 25, 26, okay. I think. What was that? So. Did you, and I guess looking back, uh, do you notice any significant, like you're out of that house, you, your siblings are, you know, aren't there. Cause I imagine five, six years younger, they were going through school while you're going through college and everything. And you're, you're finally like outside of the domain that your family is living in as well. Like what, what is that like for the first time? Well, it's nice. I mean, it was great. And so for me, I, I'm probably a bad son or a bad sibling because <laughs> Uh, my dad and I, like, I love my dad. My dad loves me. Like, we don't, we don't need to talk every day. We, I, we talk maybe once every two weeks. Yeah. Like that, unless I come visit him, you know, and stuff like that. My sister and I text every day. My brother and I message pretty often. Um, so the relationships are always good and everything, but, um, I wanted to move to Seattle. I was ready to move across the country and didn't need to worry about my, not, not that I'm not worried about, but like, yeah, yeah, I didn't need that, that connection so close. Yeah. So, uh, it was good, you know, but it was nice because too, because I hadn't dated anybody in five years and it was nice to, to have somebody I was, you know, <laughs> I was committed to, you know, so, um, but it was also nice to be part of a new city and, um, her family who I love, you know, getting a different dynamic, her family dynamic is vastly different than the one I grew up in. Her family are just the nicest, most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life. Like like they're they're it's almost like they're suspiciously nice I, I, I believe i believe they're sincerely nice if they're listening um but they're also so nice you're like okay something's got to be up no they're just that nice and she grew up in a family you know where the dynamic was so much nicer so much more calm and so it created this great contrast of you know craziness versus calm which makes our marriage very fun to you know to navigate from oh yeah so. yeah dude i uh my Cause my family was, you know, my parents divorced when I was four, my brother and me never got along. And then my wife, her parents are still together. 
she has two siblings and they talk like all the time and they had family dinners every night. And I was like, what is this magical world you're talking about? Like, it, yeah, it's, it's vastly in contrast and it's really funny how, how this, it plays out my, that way. It's so crazy because like my wife's, my wife's uh, grandparents, uh, my, my wife's parents, I should say, they're both first generation North Americans. So my mother-in-law's from Canada, oh, okay. but her family came over and she was born in Canada my father-in-law, his um, his his parents came over from Germany, and he was the first one born in the country. And like, they're my wife's family dynamic is so much more different than mine because her family all lives within like a five to ten minute drive of each other in Saint Joseph. The church that her parents go to, their parent, like her her paternal grandparents helped build the church like literally built it wow so they're very close to my wife is kind of the black sheep who gets to live far away you know and i think everyone when they first started we were moving they're like okay uh and then my family you know my dad's telling stories about being in, in juvie or <laughs> go you know going out and getting going to three different weddings in a night and getting into fights and all of them you know yeah. and stuff like this and um so it's very you know contrasting and it just it, it's very fun yeah, now I want to uh, talk to your parents or your your wife's grandparents. <laughs> well, because I've I've been to St. Joe's a couple times, and it's just such a nice little town. And and like to see it, I went there when I was like eighteen. I drove my car across the state like at three in the morning, and I arrived there right right as uh, the sun was rising in the east. And I like was like, "There's a cool little beach town here," and. Uh, and then I didn't go there again for like, you know, almost 20 years. And I was like, oh, dang, this is like, it's exploded. Uh, and so I wonder what people think of it that have been there like for so long. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a nice community. You know, it's really, it's tourist driven. So, you know, come wintertime, like no one's there. But come summertime, everyone from Chicago and every surrounding yeah. city is <laughs> is right there. And it was nice. I mean, it was it was very similar to my my town very small you know yeah. but um i've always been a city boy so i being in grand rapids i feel much more home yeah that's funny that's um so yeah you moved down there you guys get married um and then what how old is your your kids five now four my kids four and a half four and a half so yeah so we had him in 2017 he's four and a half but yeah we uh we had i think three or four years we were just a nice, you know, a nice, still newly married couple, I guess you could yeah. say, and didn't have any responsibilities. Then, you know, the night, the night before the election, before Trump is become president, we find out we're having a baby. We're like, well, oh man, like, at least, oh, at least man. there's some good news, you know? Oh no, so, I can't even put myself in the headspace of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that night I was drinking a lot of scotch and I punched a, <laughs> a hole in my closet door. Um, <laughs> That was not a great evening. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. So, how how has that been? Being that what? So now, uh, almost you're getting to the point where almost the majority of the time he's been alive has been during a pandemic. Yeah, that's been really tricky to navigate uh, because he was a child. He was he was two when things started getting crazy, and so he had, he had an awareness of life before COVID. Yeah. We didn't have to wear a mask. We didn't have to hand sanitize every time he touched something outside, you know. Um, and we were lucky that, you know, he had a daycare uh, down the road from us that was in-house. And he got to still not be masked a lot of the time. And get to have a childhood that was something normal. But um, it's really fun in a, in a sarcastic way of navigating a <laughs> pandemic with a child because, um, you know, there are little glimpse glimpse moments of where he gets to be, you know, and he gets to go outside. He can run around in a playground and not have to worry about stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. or um, he goes to his school. They don't really enforce masks and masks right now. And so uh, he, I don't think he wears them very often. And I'm not too worried about that right now, but um, yeah, he, I think it was harder at first because he had memories of life without it. And I think now it's just, uh, now it's just who he is. There are kids who are born in the pandemic who yeah, will I have, see. you know, who will never know, you know, a life without COVID existing, you know? Yeah. So. It's my nephew was born in uh, December, 2020. And so it's, 
Yeah, that's been difficult on like the whole family, especially in the beginning, because like you couldn't see uh, her sister the whole time she was pregnant, and then uh, the first six months the kid was born, we couldn't. They were they live in Pittsburgh, so we couldn't go there and finally saw him and when it, like I think it's six month birthday. Um, well, I I think that's a process too because you're trying to help this little person who's trying to grow up and trying to figure out who they are. You're also trying to figure out how do I mentally handle what's going on? How do I navigate, you know, my, my life changes, you know, working from home, being stuck in a house, you know, not being able to do, you know, take that trip you wanted to go to, you know, to do this or that. So it's, it's interesting being a parent uh, in a pandemic, especially at the beginning of it. So. Well, on that same note, just generally speaking, I mean, what was it like becoming a father? (laughs) Uh, best thing I'll ever do in my life, honestly. Uh, I mean, and I know not everyone is, wants to be a parent, you know, and that's fine. Like, you know, do what makes your heart happy. And I'll never condemn somebody for not wanting kids by any means, because I miss that freedom some days. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, I had, I had a biological father who really, you know, he was fun, but he wasn't a good dad. Yeah. I had a stepdad who uh was firm but loving and so i was like okay you know i was like if i ever get married and i marry some you know i i find this girl who i love who has a kid i could be you know i could be what my stepdad was for that girl um i didn't have to deal with that thank goodness but um uh, i felt that i knew i could and i always wanted to be a dad i i've always known i wanted to be a dad and then the minute my son was born and i heard him crying and i was trying to wipe my tears away of happiness so I could see him. I never knew at that point how badly I wanted to be a dad. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like, okay, like my, my heart just, it was like it, the, the depth just went deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> and so uh, it's, it's been an amazing experience. And of course it's challenging because you have a little person who has a personality that either mirrors yours very much. So, <laughs> Uh, and they know all your trigger points because that's the joy of every parent is, you know, having that. But um, it's been good. He's he's a great kid. He's very smart, very social. Um, he's been – we finally started watching Star Wars movies this, this past year. And nice. he's loving that now. And he knows the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme song. So I got to be, you know <laughs> – I gotta be grateful for that. And um, so, yeah, it's been good. It's, it's been really fun. That's awesome. Um, I, I want to, yeah. before we, we finish up, I do want to talk about, um, you have your podcast, emotional duct tape and yeah. well, tell me about that and how you got that started. So this was actually a pandemic, um, love child. Uh, <laughs> and during the pandemic, like I said, I joined TikTok and one of the people I met on TikTok was another creator and, uh, we became friends and we started talking, you know, on Instagram and, she uh, she also lost her mom um, prematurely. Uh, she was, I think, in her 30s, early 30s when her mom passed, and mine was, you know. So yeah. uh, we we talked about like that process of what it was like, and uh, I have another podcast as well, but I wanted to start a second one. And my wife is like, you should talk about what it was like losing your mom, and like you know, people who go through that kind of stuff. I was like, that's a great idea. Grief is a something we all deal with. Universal, yeah. And. And I was talking to this girl. I'm like, hey, would you want to? I'm like, she's like, I love that idea. I want to be a guest. I'm like, hey, why don't you be the co-host? And her name is Jamie, and she's amazing. Um, and so we started this podcast. And we said, well, let's not just talk about death. Like, hey, your, your, your mom died. How does it feel? And we said, well, <laughs> grief manifests in so many ways. Yeah. It comes down to, you know, you've had a really bad breakup or a divorce. You've had trauma. You've you know had addiction you know you have chronic illnesses jamie uh has lyme disease oh, uh, wow. chronic lyme so she deals with that you know um and so we said well, let's talk about all these things in our life that um people go through and we'll talk about you know what their process was like we want to humanize the grief experience and show everyone that it is a very common thing and then talk about how we move on like how how do these people pick up and move move on from what's going on in their lives and uh we've done i think 43 episodes so far um and we launched it just over a year ago uh december 30th 2020 and uh, a lot of people on tiktok who we've met as friends some of my co-workers some of my family 
um, people who I, you know, I just know in the world. And uh, it's been really interesting just to uh, validate only not only my experiences, but like share that human experience with everyone else. Yeah. So it's been really great. And was that was that launch date uh, specific? Because that would have been one year before or one day before the anniversary of your mom's we uh i think we launched it because we we were really gregarious at the beginning we actually recorded we started recording in october and then we released in december and we had we had probably had like 10 episodes that's what you gotta do you. that's the way to do it <laughs> well and now we're paying for it now because we're starting to see like a bit of a, a slowdown with guests and some people you know are less like less likely to do it now and yeah. we're more hesitant so um we're trying to slow burn that now we might do like every other week and stuff like that but um yeah i, I think we just we want we were so excited to put it out there we just wanted to start it I'm like let's do this now so nice um what's the but, other yeah, one that you do Oh, it's it's called and the award goes to it's really it's it's more of a pop culture movie podcast. Um, My friend Audrey and I we uh, she was actually my former intern who became a friend and then she started working for working with me at the the orchestra symphony. And she has since moved on but um, we always used to love and to, to hang out in the break room and like just to have rapport back and forth and like make fun of each other and talk shit and we were like, let's do a movie podcast. Yeah. And so we, we actually talk about the history of the Academy Awards. And oh. um, every episode, we like focus on a year in the Academy Award history. We'll talk about like what was going on. You know, was, was there any significant thing in the world or was there controversy? Because there's always controversy at the Academy Awards. <laughs> and we would then talk about the movies and like, hey, is this movie still, does it still hold up? You know, should this person have won this Oscar for this performance? No, it probably should have been this person. And so we kind of just, that's just go back and forth. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, we love it. It's it's not as uh, widely accepted as the mental health one is. Like people, yeah. it's a little more niche. Niche is good. Fun. Yeah, no, I, but that's uh, that's great though because that's uh, I mean anybody that's a fan of movies, you know, and there's so many there's so many tropes about the the awards, right? Like if you win this one, then you're never going to act again. <laughs> if you win this and stuff like that. So that's well, and we and it's cool. it's so it's so funny too to see like we a lot of time we just throw shade. We're like, yeah, this was this was we call it the about time award. Like this person won because they haven't won anything else, and it was seven. This is their seventh nomination. Like they're <laughs> gonna get it because of this reason. Um, and we were texting the other day saying like, okay, watch this movie so far because the nomination just announced last week. And oh, okay, you know, it's like it's like who's. So we're trying to keep a list of all we have to watch. Just watch West Side Story for this weekend. So it just it's fun. You get to watch old Hollywood movies, you know, and yeah. just kind of geek out for a little while. So that's fun. Um, well, I got yeah. I got to ask because sure. your history of music and, and movies. Um, give me give me a top three, <laughs> top three musicians or bands, and a top three movies. Okay, top three musicians. Um, like what I'm listening to right now or all time? All time. Let's do all time. Oh, God. That's hard. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to give you one that's a really broad base. I'm going to say one is Motown, just all of Motown. Okay. Because I, I'm i a very much an old soul, and having a dad who's in his 70s, you were forced to listen to very certain genres of music mm-hmm. growing you know, in the car. So everyone else is listening to NSYNC. I'm listening to Johnny Cash, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love, like, Motown, the whole breadth of Motown uh, and that whole experience. It's on my, my playlist all the time. Um, I love uh, someone modern uh, is Matt Nathanson. Okay, yeah, for uh, sure. So his, he's kind of just this unsung hero. He has one big hit called Come On, Get Higher. I got my signed poster by him somewhere, but. Yeah, no, I've. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, so I have, yeah. I've seen him. Uh, he's my most seen artist of all time. Nice. Um, I've actually was texted a friend before this podcast started saying, hey, let's go to Toronto. Let's go see him because he's <laughs> not touring right now. Um, and then I really love um, another band I love right now is Lake Street Dive. Dude. <laughs> so, uh, I have seen them yeah. so many times. Uh, first time at the Magic Bag in Ferndale. And that my father-in-law found a YouTube video of them playing on a sidewalk in like DC and he sent it to me. And then we found out they were touring. This was for, um, the bad self portraits album. And I have been obsessed with them ever since. (laughs) 
It's amazing. It's so good. Um, I, I my first show was 2014, and they play Meyer Gardens in town like every yeah, yeah. year. They haven't played the past couple of years, so I'm hoping they'll come back this summer so I can see them. Like, a, but yeah, they're yeah, they're, they're, they're my yep. jam. Their tour dates are out right now. They're doing Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Meyer Gardens always announces their shows like later in the spring, so they okay. could have a date there. I'm just going to wait and see. So. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I don't meet like people now or it's getting more and more that people know who they are, but it's, it's rare that I meet someone that puts them up there so high. So good for you. That's, that's well, awesome. I like, and I guess it's with Motown too. Like I just have a love of like the retro sound of, of music that's oh, yeah. done today, but it has, you know, like, like Bruno Mars's early stuff even is really good. Or, you know, like Amy Winehouse, yeah. stuff like that. You Rachel know, Price Leon can Bridges. sing anything to me any day of the week. That... Have you heard her side, her side project yeah, yeah. with Bill Ray? Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. She's uh, so that show in Chicago. That was absolutely amazing. amazing. I would love to see them live. I haven't had that opportunity. Um, top three movies, films, if top you will. Top three movies. Sorry. I know. I keep, <laughs> oh, no, I keep bunny rabbit. Dude, bunny you're chewing. good. That's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> Well, it's always a question too. Like, you know, is there more pressure to be, you know, a guest, a host on your show, or a guest on someone else's? I don't know the answer to that yet. But um, my three movies. Uh, oh shoot, this is hard because you're talking to somebody <laughs> who loves movies. Um, <laughs> That's I knew it would. I knew it would be it. Okay, so one. off the top of my head, off the top of my head, I'm gonna say uh, that thing you do. Oh, okay. I'm going to say The Way, Way Back, which is a movie with Sam Rockwell yeah. that came out in like 2013. Yeah. And then uh, my my top movie that I, for years, I could never say I had a favorite movie. I could never say it. Um, but the movie I love the most, I think, is Chef by John Favreau. Okay. I That was on my Netflix queue for a long time. I never actually got around to watching that. <laughs> it's, and like I said, it's, I've never been able to say I loved a movie. I was like I had a favorite, but I saw yeah. that movie in theaters, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm this is my movie now." So it's it's one that I watch, probably my most watched movie of all time. Really well done, you know. It was his, John Favreau who directed, of course, Elf and Iron Man, yeah, yeah. and oh, yeah. we have him to thank for the Mandalorian. But this was like mm-hmm. right after this was between Iron Man's and everything else he was doing, and it's just this beautiful little indie movie. But. Um, yeah, I think those are my, my three. Galaxy Quest might might jump in there at some point. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's those are great choices. I, I gotta tell my wife you said that thing you do because she loves that movie. I think I think she made me watch that like right when we started dating and still like will quote it and I've only seen it like one or two times, so I don't ever get the quotes. <laughs> but it's entertaining. It will, it's it's kind of a litmus test, you know, and I but also too, like I think we did um because you you kind of suss up your partner by what they watch and how they watch it. And my <laughs> brother is a Lord Lord of the Rings enthusiast. Yeah, and he had a girlfriend who we introduced to the movies, and she was like, "These aren't very good." And we're like, "Okay, you're not you're not part of the family." Like, they didn't, they didn't last long after that, you know. So it was great. Yeah, I uh, I was almost ready to pull out after Two Towers, but I stuck I stuck with it for for the trilogy. Still haven't seen The Hobbit. Um, but such, such is life. Um, I, I have onto bigger and better things. I'm on, I'm on board with you of the star Wars and I'm obsessed with Mandalorian and Boba Fett and, uh, the stuff they're doing now. Uh, like I don't, I didn't expect, are, have you seen all of the book of Boba Fett? I have, um, I have opinions. Yeah. I don't know if, I I, if you want me to share those opinions. No, I, will, not, but... I don't want to put spoilers out there. I will just say, I didn't know I was getting like three episodes of the Mandalorian as part of this. Like seven well, I, I was going to, I was going to say the best episodes of Boba Fett are related to another show completely. So I mean, like you got to take it for what it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, well on, on that note, uh, unless I didn't hit anything that you wanted to discuss, I, I think I ran the gambit there. Uh, yeah, no, hopefully I didn't, hopefully I was okay. I never know what to do. So yeah, no, you're good. This is the best part about interviewing someone that has their own podcast. Cause you're, even if you don't think you're aware of what's going on, you still have that muscle that you have been exercising for so long. So that's awesome. Yes. Well, Corey, thank you, man. It was really great meeting you. It's, it is frightening how much stuff we have in common. <laughs> I will, uh, I will talk to you soon, man. All right. Take it easy. Okay. You too. Take care. You and I have lots in common, my request is sent, would you like to be my friend?
All right, you just listened to my interview with Corey Holcomb. That was a lot of fun. That was really, uh, it was really great meeting someone. It's funny that he's in Michigan and, uh, and we, you know, just randomly, you know, know each other through one social media follower and happen to be in the same state and have so many similar interests. I really enjoyed, uh, his, his vulnerability. The story about his mom was just, uh, heartbreaking and, and really poses so many questions, you know, and, and I'm glad that he's, uh, going to therapy and asking those questions himself. And, you know, Corey, like he said, he has a couple podcasts there that you should definitely check out. And the, the one about grief is, is fantastic. I have not listened to, and the award goes to podcast, but the grief one, uh, was absolutely great. And they cover, you know, like every kind of grief, right? Like there's a, a pet loss episode that I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can relive that. Cause that, <laughs> that was like the fucking worst, but, uh, really great. Thank you so much to Corey and thank you to all of you, my listeners and, and followers and friends, and especially my Patreons, uh, Jenny, Erica, Katie, Andy, Holly, Mandy, uh, Becca, the list goes on. You guys, you got to get over to patreon.com slash friend request pod and sign up. It's a buck oh nine. Sometimes you get some exclusive content. Uh, a lot of people in this season have gotten all sorts of stuff, including behind the scenes listens and they got the theme song before anyone else, and they got just a lot of fun exclusives. Um, so definitely check that out. And that's all I got right now. I hope you guys enjoy in February, and I will uh, talk to you next week. Okay? Okay, I love you. Bye-bye.